message, wonderfully sung. Thank you so much. Colossians 4, verse 3, Paul said, Pray for us that a door of utterance would be open to us, and pray that I might speak it as I should. Pray for an open door to share the gospel, and when I share the gospel, that would be clear, and they would hear and understand, and God would touch their heart, and they might believe and be saved. Open in your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 20, and we'll look at verses 20 through 23 this morning, concluding our series on the final four messages. These are final four Sunday morning messages, and today's number three, next Sunday morning, number four. We've talked about attendance and service, today witnessing, and next week giving. Can you imagine a preacher would have his last sermon on giving? If you know me, the answer is yes. Anyway, verse 20. Today on witnessing, be faithful in witnessing. Paul here speaking to the Ephesian elders of the church. And he said, you know, talks about how I was with you from the first day. You know, you know these things. You know that I was, verse 20, I did not shrink back, I think is the King James, from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, bound in spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. Join me in prayer. Lord, I pray that you'll bless this message today to those here in the sanctuary, to those watching live in the gym, that you'll let this message encourage every person that sees and hears and listens to your word, that we might leave more committed to be greater witnesses for you. Lord, we know that's the one thing, as someone has rightly observed, we cannot do in heaven is share our faith, because everyone there is a believer. So I pray that you'll help us to be faithful in witnessing until the trumpet sounds or our last heartbeat beats. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Today I'd like to tell you about a great gospel witness, and this man was not an ordained pastor. In fact, he was not ordained at all, but he was a Baptist layman from Texas. Jack C. Cooper made his profession of faith at a young age. He believed God was calling him to be a medical doctor, and he would preach and teach and heal in Jesus' name. So after college and after medical school, Jack served in the U.S. Air Force as an ophthalmologist, an eye doctor. And while there, he shared his faith consistently. Then Jack was a consultant ophthalmologist for NASA's first group of astronauts. Dr. Fan, you might have remembered Jack Cooper, heard of him at least. He shared his faith there. 1960, Dr. Jack Cooper established a private practice in Dallas. His life motto was care for the person by sharing the Christian faith. And that's what he did. Instead of putting up random letters of the alphabet for eye exams, Dr. Cooper would put the words from the Four Spiritual Law track, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Read line number one. What's that say? God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And what are you going to ask if you read that and you don't know what the plan is? You're going to ask, well, what is God's plan for my life? Giving a lead in to the gospel of Jesus. Dr. Jack Cooper, the eye doctor, was not an ordained pastor just a member of Park City's Baptist Church 
And he regularly shared the four spiritual laws with lots and lots and lots of people. He shared with everyone he could, everywhere he could. He enjoyed going on mission trips to Honduras, Dominican Republic. And there he treated eye diseases and shared his faith. As a member of Park City's Baptist Church in Dallas, Dr. Cooper was a Sunday school teacher, chairman of the missions committee, chairman of the evangelism committee. He led Bible studies for other doctors and dentists, was a conference speaker through Campus Crusade for Christ. The man trained hundreds of laymen, doctors, dentists, medical students, how using the four spiritual laws track to share their faith. He authored several articles on the Christian life on sharing your faith. What prayer means to me, the light of life, light for the blind. A physician shares his faith, the great physician, and he even wrote two books on, are you ready for this? Stewardship. I knew I liked that guy. Well, tragically, Dr. Cooper died and went to heaven in 2019. His homegoing service was held at Park City's Baptist Church, survived by his wife of 65 years, Nancy, five children, one of whom is a medical doctor, and 12 grandchildren who all continue the practice of reading their Bible through once a year like granddad did. I wish I could have had the chance to meet or hear in person Dr. Jack C. Cooper, but I hope I can be one-tenth the witness this Texas layman was. You know, the Apostle Paul was a lot like Dr. Jack C. Cooper. He shared his faith. He was a great gospel witness. For over three years while in Ephesus, he shared the gospel plainly, openly from house to house. Never did he shrink back or cower in fear or compromise what was true, but he taught the gospel openly, clearly, publicly, never watering down the offensive parts to the Jews. Jews kicked him out of the synagogue. He rented space next door from a man named Tyrannus. And the only way, the only truth, the only life about Jesus is what he told regularly, Jew and Gentile alike. Paul preached repentance toward God and faith in Christ Jesus the Lord. Whether it was a large group or a small group or a single person, and his example, Paul's example of faithfulness and witnessing in three different ways encourages us to be faithful as well just like Dr. Jack Cooper. And Christian, listen, this is important. Regardless of your profession, regardless of your vocation, regardless of your occupation, what you do to pay the bills, God expects you and me to be faithful in sharing our faith. And I hope we'll all be more like Jack Cooper and Paul the Apostle and do just that. How can we do that? Three ways. Number one, by being a courageous witness. A courageous witness. Verse number 20, Paul wrote how I did not, you know, you know how I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house. Paul said, you know by observation because I was there with you. You saw, you remember, you watched. I didn't shrink back from telling anything that was God's truth. The word shrink back means pull back, hesitate, cower, compromise, for fear of what someone might say or think. Paul never did that. He told it like it was. He told it as it was written. He shared it clearly and plainly. And Paul said, you know, when I was with you, I never shrank back from what someone would think, just compromising God's word. He shared God's truth that is profitable for teaching large groups, small groups, individuals. And so Christian, regardless of your profession, 
regardless of whether you're ordained or not ordained, we all have the responsibility of doing what the Apostle Paul and Jack C. Cooper did, and that is sharing our faith with everyone we can. We have to make sure we have to know. A recent LifeWay study found that despite feeling confident in the knowledge of the gospel, many churchgoers struggle with sharing it even with non-Christians, and they admit they never try or even pray for unbelievers. I think one of the greatest regrets we're all going to have, me included with you, on Judgment Day when we stand before the Lord as we didn't tell more people about the Lord. I'm sure I'm going to have my regrets, and you will too, that we didn't tell more family members and co-workers and colleagues and neighbors. Paul was able to say in verse 26, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. He talked to everyone he could about Jesus, never minimizing who Jesus is or his authority that he has or lessening what it means to repent and believe the gospel. Paul talked to synagogue leaders and jailers and Gentiles and women and sea captains and medicine men and governors and high priests and Roman soldiers and old Nero himself. I believe he talked to Nero. He did not shrink back and cower in fear from declaring the whole counsels of God and the gospel. And the good news he shared was not just about church, though I'm certain he talked to people about the importance of assembling together. The good news he shared was not about Bible study, though I'm certain he invited and talked to people to join Bible study. The good news was not about some activity at church or some style of music or some event at the church or even some new preacher. The good news he shared was repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the gospel is turning away from sin and disobedience and turning to Christ and his finished work on the cross and how the power of his resurrection proves he can forgive all of our sins. Some Gentiles knew about Jesus, some didn't. He still told them. Some Jews knew about Jesus, some didn't. He still told them. Jew or Gentile, he told everyone he could, wherever he was, that Jesus is the risen Lord and Savior, and everyone needs to change their way of living and their way of thinking so they can believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be. Christian, we're ambassadors for Christ, as though God himself were making his appeal through us. I love the scene of the film, O Brother, Where Art Thou? I guess you know that I've mentioned that movie a few times. Pete and... Everett and Del Mar, after being pardoned by Governor Pappy O'Donnell for their crimes, they were walking to Everett's childhood home to see the childhood manse with a happy little tire swing. <laughs> Suddenly the sheriff appeared and said, End of the road, boys. Everett said, Now wait a minute. The sheriff said, It's had its twists and turns. Now it deposits you here. Everett said, Wait a minute. The sheriff said, you have eluded fate, and you have eluded me for the last time. Tie their hands, boys. Everett said, you can't do this. We just got pardoned by the governor. It went out on the radio. Dog goes, Murr. Sheriff paused and said, we ain't got a radio. And Pete said, Lord, have mercy. Imagine a pardon being available, but somebody not hearing about it. You know, on Judgment Day, you could argue, well, it's in the Bible. But they could argue, we didn't have a Bible. We didn't know. And you didn't tell us. You knew about it, but you didn't tell. Somebody says, I wanted to tell. I just had trouble starting the conversation. Friend, sometimes the best way is just jump in. Even if you're not a great speaker, you got to do what God calls you to do. 
by the way, for the what it's worth department, I never thought I was going to be a preacher. I didn't like talking in public. Hated talking in public. Anyway, that's another story for later. But uh, you never know what God can do. Maybe you've heard of the seminary student who stuttered. I can relate. Bright, loved the Lord, but he had trouble talking in public. In the homiletics course, the young man was expected to preach a sermon from the book of Acts on the theme of Acts. And all the students came and they preached, did a great job. Then it came time for the young man to talk. He nervously took his podium and shuffled his notes with his sweaty hands in front of the running cameras. And while stuttering, the young man struggled to say, how many of you think you know what I'm going to say? Raise your hands. The students looked around at each other. Nobody knew. Nobody raised their hand. The young man closed his Bible and he sat down. After class, the professor said, listen, I know you're nervous and it's hard for you to do this, but you've got to preach a message on the theme of the book of Acts or you won't graduate. I'll give you another try tomorrow. The next day, the young man took the podium. The cameras were turned on. With sweaty hands and stuttering, stammering voice, he said, how many of you think you know what I'm going to say? Raise your hands. Well, this time everybody smiled and everybody raised their hand. But to their surprise, the young man took his notes, put them in his Bible, closed his Bible, sat down. Again, the professor after class told him, look, I know this is tough for you, but if you cannot preach a message on the theme of the book of Acts, you're not going to pass the class and you'll flunk out of seminary. Homiletics is required. Tomorrow's your last chance. Well, the next day, same young man took the podium, cameras turned on, sweaty hands, stuttering, stammering voice. How many of you think you know what I'm going to say? Raise your hand. Well, this time, half the class raised their hands, and half the class didn't raise their hands. The young man smiled and said, The ones who know tell those who don't know, and that's the theme of the book of Acts. I don't know about you, but I've given him an A-plus for that, right? You say, well, preacher, how do I know if they know or not? You ask them. You see, there's something, something so important, you have to be willing to tell it to perfect strangers. If the building is on fire, would you tell a perfect stranger, you might want to get out of here, the building is on fire? I think you would. If there was an active shooter at Publix and you saw strangers walking into the store, wouldn't you tell them, you don't want to go in there. There's an active shooter. An Amber Alert, everybody's phone goes beep. Why? Because there's some information that's so important, everybody needs to know about it right now. By the way, wouldn't it be great if once a week every cell phone went off with a gospel alert, asking the words of the old hymn, why do you wait, dear brother, why do you tarry so long? The harvest is passing away. Your Savior is longing to bless you. There's danger in death and delay. Why not? Why not? Why not come to him now? Why not? Why not? Why not come to him now? Wouldn't that be great if every phone played that once a week? Or maybe God, it's God's purpose for Christian for you and me to be that alert. Like the Apostle Paul, like Dr. Jack C. Cooper, we need to be courageous and bold in our witness and unwilling to shrink back in fear, but boldly stand up and speak up and speak out to those who don't know. We need to do that conversationally, as if it's no big deal, even though it is a big deal. At Lakeland Regional Medical Center, the lobby is on the second floor, and the basement is on the first floor. 
Now, anytime somebody gets on the elevator, if I'm on the elevator, and they say, first floor, I'll say, well, sir or ma'am, do you want to go to the lobby or do you want to go to the basement? And by the way, full disclosure, I've been to the basement. I tried that floor number one button once, and there's nothing there. It's empty, just buckets and stuff. I mean, there's nothing there. It's like, oops, I'm on the wrong floor. I guarantee you, if you're in that elevator and someone says, first floor, please, you're going to ask them a question. Are you wanting the lobby? Are you wanting the basement? I've never had anyone say to me, basement. They all say, oh, I want the lobby. Now, notice what I have done and what you would do. We have engaged in a conversation with a stranger because we knew they were headed in the wrong direction. Huh. Can I say that again? We have engaged in a conversation with the perfect stranger because we knew they had the wrong destination. If we can do it about an elevator, why can't we do it about eternal things, spiritual things? Man, don't shrink back. Be like the Apostle Paul. Be like Dr. Jack C. Cooper and be a courageous witness. That's what God wants us to do. Number two, be a committed witness. Committed. Courageous and committed. Verse 21, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now these words solemnly testifying refer to the testimony that you would give in court with God in attendance. Serious testimony. It's as if God is weighing every word we speak. Carefully chosen words, carefully spoken words, exact words. That's one of the reasons I do the old school writing out of a sermon manuscript. I carefully weigh words. And a lot of words are left on the editing floor, and a lot of words, Jamie says, you don't want to say it that way, you want to say it this way. And I say, okay, you know, you're right. Because that communicates something I don't want to communicate. Carefully spoken words. A husband and wife say their marriage vows. We write out the vows because we believe the words are important. A wedding calls heaven and earth to bear witness. The public vows now being spoken and made because they're serious, solemn words for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. <laughs> Sickness and in health. To love and to cherish. Till what do us part? Death do us part. Man, that's some serious stuff, isn't it? But likewise, the words of the gospel are serious stuff. To Jews and Greeks, religious, non-religious, we have to communicate serious words about repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, repentance, as you know, is a change of thinking, a change of mind, a change of attitude from living for yourself and going from Frank Sinatra's I did it my way to the Apostle Paul's attitude after God struck him down on the road to Damascus and he's in the dirt and Paul was told by God, Jesus said, you get up, you go to Damascus and when you get there, I'll tell you what to do next. And what does Paul do? He gets up with the attitude, I'm going to Damascus and see what Jesus wants me to do next. That's the attitude we need from rebellion against God and hatred of God to submission to God and Jesus and love for Jesus. From doing it my way to doing it, Lord, your way. And that's what repentance means. It means you realize your life is not yours, but you've been bought with a price. And you have to do whatever it is the Lord wants you to do. And your decisions will be based on what His Word tells you to do. It's going from my way, my way, my way, to His way, His way, His way. 
and saying, Lord, wherever you lead, I'll go. Whatever you ask, I'll do. Turning from sin and self and then turning to faith in Jesus and trusting in Jesus. Not as Lord or Savior, but as Lord and Savior because he's both. Chuck Swindoll said that's the basic formula. Repentance toward God in faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the bedrock message, he said, upon which everything else in theology and practice depends. He said, if you waffle on this truth, your doctrine will be in danger of crumbling. So repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. You turn away from one way of thinking and you turn to a new way of thinking. You stop believing one thing, you start believing something else. Life without Jesus, life with Jesus. Life with you being Lord, you calling the shots in the driver's seat behind the steering wheel, to Jesus in the driver's seat behind the steering wheel calling the shots. Paul wrote about the Thessalonians, how they turned from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for Jesus from heaven. One minute they worship 12, 15 different gods in Thessalonica. Next minute Paul comes in, he says, no, Jesus rose from the dead, he's Lord. Oh, okay, and so they turn from the idols and they turn to Christ. And friend, that's the message we have to share with others. Repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. The Greeks were more open to the gospel than the Jews, but Paul believed he had to share it with both Jew and Greek. Dr. Jack Cooper, the ophthalmologist, believed the same thing. You can go, if you type in Dr. Jack C. Cooper, ophthalmologist, or just Dallas, Texas, you can actually read his obituary online. And I, I read it. I read all the comments people wrote about this man. One colleague wrote, Jack was many things excellent in his Christian walk. The one thing that stood out in my mind was his wonderful gift of evangelism. His oldest daughter, Margie, wrote, I'm Jack's oldest daughter, Margie. Dad remained a wonderful man all of his life, meek, achieving amazing success and honor, humble, kind, gregarious. He loved and valued people of all incomes, educations, colors, and cultures. He was a vibrant witness for Jesus around the world in missions and in his medical practice. The daughter of Jack said, I know the character and heart of God because he was such a wonderful father to me. And this is the finest inheritance he could leave me to help me know and love God. Our family misses him, but we're glad that his suffering is over. And we know we'll see him in heaven with Jesus forever. And we would hope that anyone reading about his life would come to know the assurance of heaven and the forgiveness of sin through trusting in Jesus Christ. He loved everyone like Jesus did. Man, don't you wish people in your family can say that about you after you're gone? I do. I hope so. What a tribute. And I hope and pray the same can be said of us at our funeral, on our obituary page, that he, she made it their practice to solemnly testify to everyone of the importance of repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's example challenges us to be a courageous witness, a committed witness, and number three, a consecrated, sold out, set apart witness, consecrated, 22 and 23. Notice what he faced and what he still did. Except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testified to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. In verse 22, I got 23 out of place. And now behold, bound in spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me. And we'll stop there.
See, Paul now shifts as he talks to these elders that he met from what he had done and what they saw and what they knew to what he would be doing in the future. Namely, that the Holy Spirit was leading him to go preach in Jerusalem. Everywhere Paul went, the Holy Spirit prompted believers to tell him, Paul, if you go there, you're going to be arrested. If you go there, you're going to get in trouble. Chains and being bound are awaiting for you if you go. But he had to go because he was set apart to do the Lord's will. There are times when God will lead a believer to do something they know will not be easy. In fact, just about everything God leads people to do is not easy. God did that for a young man named Andrew Brunson. Andrew was born and grew up in Black Mountain, North Carolina. No wonder he loved God, right? Graduated from Wheaton College, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. He married and started a family, and he told his wife, I feel called to go to speak to people about Jesus in a Muslim country called Turkey. And so they went to Izmir, Turkey, I-Z-M-R, which ironically is the same provincial location of ancient Ephesus. He went where Paul met with the elders. He started a small evangelical church there, and they reached some Muslims for Christ there who put their faith in Jesus there and became disciples of Jesus there. Uh-oh, there in a Muslim country. Well, like Paul, who was warned in the place where Brunson was arrested, as you know, Andrew Brunson spent two years in a prison cell, made for, 21, made for eight prisoners. There were 21 prisoners in this little cell, made for eight people. He lost over 50 pounds while in prison and faced the sentence of life in prison and maybe even death for being a witness for Jesus and leading people to Christ in a Muslim country. Well, I'm glad the story for him doesn't end there. President Trump insisted that the Turkish government free Pastor Andrew Brunson. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. So President Trump said, I'll tell you what we're going to do to encourage you to do this. We're going to levy some really stiff trade tariffs on you, and you either let him go or we're going to incre keep increasing these tariffs till you realize it's not in your interest to keep him there. Well, Pastor Brunson was released two months after the trade tariffs were imposed. And consequently, he wrote a book entitled A Prison Memoir, and it's entitled God's Hostage, A True Story of Persecution, Imprisonment, and Perseverance. I have no doubt you can get his book on Amazon. And of course, through this, he believes that many will come to faith in Christ and many Christians will be empowered to be more radical about standing up for their faith. The Apostle Paul would be imprisoned for his faith as well. A guy by the name of Dr. Luke wrote his memoir called The Book of Acts. It tells the story of Paul's persecution, imprisonment, perseverance, but mostly of how this one man was courageous and committed and consecrated in his witness and how he was used by God to bring many, many people to faith in Christ. Christian listening, my next to last Sunday message and my last message on witnessing, I'd like to leave you the lyrics of an old hymn. And here's what it says. Be a witness for the master, wheresoever you go, ever ready, courage steady, love to others show. Leave results with Christ the master, only do your part, 
Time is flying. Men are dying. Strive to reach some needy heart. Regardless of your vocation, regardless of your occupation, regardless of how you pay the bills, regardless of whether you're male or female, ordained or not ordained, let me challenge you to devote your life to telling others about Jesus, and God will bless you in your life as you do. I hope some of the things said about Dr. Jack Cooper at his funeral and on his obituary page can be said of me and you. Live life with that moment in view. Let's pray. Father, I pray we'll have the same steadfast purpose of testifying to all people repentance toward you and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us not to shrink back and cower in fear, but be as relational and natural as as we would if someone says lobby and then asked us to push button number one, that we would tell the truth. So many people are searching for truth, Lord, and we know where the truth is, and we know who the truth is. And I pray we'll be found faithful in this area. God bless us today. If there's one here that has never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, never truly turned from sin, turned from self, trusted in Jesus, turned to him as Lord and Savior, today would be the day they would do that. Thank you, God, that forgiveness of sins is always available. If there are those here today, Lord, that need to recommit their life to be a better witness, I pray you'll help them with that commitment. As we stand, they would just say, Lord, help me to be better and more consistent. For those that might need a church home, I pray Scott Lake is certainly where they can serve and be involved. Lead them in this decision. Let them continue to be a light in this community. Lord, for other decisions today, for baptism, church membership, whatever it might be, as we have the invitation, I pray people would come just as they are. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand together and sing hymn 307. Really, there's four parts to the invitation today. Number one, obviously, if you've never trusted in Jesus, you've never received his forgiveness, you've never turned from you and turned to Jesus and said, Lord, you're in charge now, here's the will. You take control. You can do that today. You need to rededicate your life. I'll be happy to pray with you. If you're here this morning, you need a church home. This is a great church home. It will continue to be a great church home, I promise. Come and put your life here. Baptism, whatever it might be, do what God wants you to do. Hymn 307, just as I am. Let's stand, I'll wait for you. You come as we sing. Do what God wants you to do today, today, today.
thank you for being here, and I hang around this service. If you need to talk to me, be happy to talk to you at your invitation. And uh, don't forget, tonight's service is not being canceled. It's being relocated. Uh, the church meets at First Baptist Polk City, and so I hope you can be there for that. The service starts at 6, the uh, budget time, and it's good to show up for the budget time. How is our money being spent here? What are we doing with the money we send? It's good to know. Be involved in that. And uh, the mission, have a mission fair that you can see the different opportunities of service. So that's about 5 o'clock. And then the budget time is usually 5.30, 5.45, something like that. So hope to see you back for that. Anything else, Brother Chuck? You think of? All right. Got to have the offering, don't we, Brother Tom? Brother Tom's one of the, just, there's probably just a, two or three people that were on the pulpit committee when I came. You were one of those on the pulpit committee. Uh, I got to speak to, uh, we might be still live and that's fine. Uh, Mary Erickson watches live every week. Brother Lynn Wood Erickson was the chairman of the search committee 26 and a half years ago. He's gone on to be with Jesus. I didn't know that. Sweet couple. And uh, Mary, if you're watching, we love you. We appreciate you tuning in every week. And uh, pray that God will continue to bless this church, his church, your church, our church. And I know that he will. Thank the Lord for the privilege we have of giving our tithes and offerings, please. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this time that you allow us to give back a portion of what you've blessed us with. Lord, now as we take this offering, Lord, we just ask that it further the witnessing of your name. And Lord, uh, spreading the gospel that Jesus Christ, our Lord, is alive and well and living with us today. Father, we just ask that you give, a, as we leave here, a, a piece of what Dr. Cooper had in witnessing, Lord. We just ask that you help us and guide us and direct us and put that most valuable thing in our lives. Father, please protect us. Bring us back safely, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.